Hello everybody, I'm Israel Ortiz, Program Manager at Health Teamworks. Welcome back to Health Teamworks Chat, conversations on how to make healthcare work podcast. On this episode, we are grateful to have Mary Ahern as our guest. Mary has worked in a variety of community-based mental health services over the last 30 years. For the past 10 years, Mary has worked as a peer support and wellness specialist at Community Alliance in Omaha, Nebraska. Community Alliance is a community-based agency that provides full array of treatment and recovery-oriented services for individuals impacted by mental illness. Through her own lived experience, Mary fosters resilience, recovery, and hope to all of those she serves. Mary and Angie talk about integrated care, specifically the integration of behavioral health into primary care. During this conversation, you will hear about Mary's journey as a patient and now how she is sharing her passion to help others to make healthcare work in an integrated care setting. Please enjoy this episode. Angie, please take us to this great conversation. Thank you, Israel. Um, and welcome, Mary. And thanks so much for being here to share your perspective of integrated care, um, how vital this is to you, not only as a professional providing care, but as a person with lived experience. So if we could, um, let's start off by you sharing a little bit about your current work that you're doing. Okay, I currently work on an FEP team. That's first episode psychosis, which is a team of staff that work together to help um, persons who are newly diagnosed with a severe and persistent mental illness um, basically come back from where they're at to recovery and get integrated back into society, start working with them right away so that um, their life can continue on. Yeah. The team consists of a psychiatrist, a counselor, a vocational specialist, a peer support specialist, and a director manager. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, we know that early intervention, you know, uh, when somebody experiences their first psychosis, we know that, you know, getting in, providing the support, um, that wraparound team approach um, you know, really sets a person up for success. Yes. You know, the longer um, any mental illness goes undiagnosed and the person lives with that, um, you know, it could be uh, very difficult and really hard to get back to where, where they were prior to being diagnosed. So, wow, that's a great program. Yeah, I firmly believe in it. It provides hope. Yes. It provides advocacy. And it's just there to help a person to succeed. Yeah. And so some of, you know, some of the support and services you provide, you attend um, psychiatry appointments, medical appointments. You're kind of that, that person that advocates, listens, and really just ensures that the, the, the individuals you're working with understand um, what's going on. I think we are often, all of us, can be overwhelmed really easily, you know, going to a doctor, especially with a new diagnosis, really just trying to understand it and, um, you know, kind of take in what's been shared with them medically. So 
I'm sure, you know, just having your voice, your experience, your understanding and the support you can provide, not only the individual that you're working with, but family as well. Yes, it's an all around program to help person succeed. That's great. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your journey um, and how life brought you to the work that you're doing now? All right. It started when I was 25 years old, basically. I was living in Texas at the time, and I was just what you would say called feeling off. I was fearful. I was very paranoid. I was having thoughts that I was infected with AIDS. I have no idea, but I was convinced I was infected with AIDS. I went to an urgent care down in El Paso, Texas. The doctor tested me, and of course, I was negative. When he asked all kinds of questions about the possible exposure of the disease, I had none. I was not sexually active. I was not an IV drug user. There was just no way I could have AIDS. But at that moment, I truly believed I had it. I actually believed the government had injected me with the virus. I don't, know, I don't understand how or why this, these thoughts were there. I did understand I was scared and I didn't know why this thought was there. The doctor really didn't ask any questions, didn't really give me options, and he pretty much sent me on my way after getting the negative diagnosis. I guess I would say that um, the doctor didn't take time to find out what was really going on with me. He just tested me and sent me on my way. Wow. So, yeah. So you're in kind of the beginning stages of just, you know, kind of the cyclical cycle of your illness at the time, which you really, you weren't diagnosed at that time. So I can't imagine the fear, yeah. <laughs> anxiety, um, just really fed into the um, thoughts of something that you knew, you know, now, right? Yeah. Couldn't have happened. But at the moment, it felt so real. Yeah, in hindsight, it could not have happened. But in the moment, I was deathly scared. I even woke my dad up in the middle of the night and told him that I was infected with AIDS. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think those are moments that inquiring, asking questions, you know, um, is really important for providers to better understand, um, you know, what led up to that, but to not have any questions other than, well, how could have you got this? And you're like, oh, there really isn't a reason or why. So tests and of course negative and wow. And then they just sent me on my way. So, so from there, I just drove back to Omaha in a fit of psychosis. Got home then, safely. Well, with some trials and tribulations, <laughs> but I made it. And then I went to my primary provider who knew and had a little bit of insight and understanding of my paranoia. But I remember her talking to me in such a way that I was like, oh, you're such a good girl. You're so sweet. You'll be okay. But she did refer me to a psychiatrist who at that point diagnosed me with schizoaffective. I was 29 at that point. And then after years of, with the same provider, I was forced to switch providers who was because she was no longer in my network with my insurance. And I guess my reflection on this is the doctor was a bit condescending, but helped helped without consideration to my um, diagnosis. So, so you get back to Nebraska, um, you go to your primary doctor, which you had seen 
before leaving Texas. So she knew you um, and referred you to your first psychiatrist. And then you were, so you were first diagnosed at 29. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, reflecting back a little condescending, but she got you to where you needed to be. Yes. And so she referred me to my first psychiatrist. And then um, I guess from there, it was through years of my journey with doctors. I often felt I was always in the middleman. I tried so hard to get providers and medical psychiatrists to talk to each other. So it was not working. And at that point, I just stopped seeing my medical doctors all together. And this went on for years. And then something happened physically with me that I needed to find another primary doctor and because I was a bit out of sorts and maybe a little manic, but either, but either way, the provider I saw immediately thought I was on drugs. She insisted I take a drug test. (laughs) I was hurt, confused, and angry. And she obviously didn't look at my med regime because if she had, she probably would have approached me a little differently because of my symptoms. Gotcha. So you, your, your interaction with the primary doctor just didn't feel well. So, and then trying to connect your psychiatrist to your medical doctor for that communication. I mean, that was your attempt, right? To just talk to each other Yes. <laughs> and didn't really happen. So you got frustrated and just Quit seeing medical. Quit seeing them. Did not see them for years. Until you needed to go and for something else. And then that's when you were asked to take a drug test. (laughs) So you presented a little anxious, kind of having some symptoms. In manic. In manic. And and the provider assumed, oh, this person's on drugs. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) How'd that feel? Um, I mean- I, I don't know that kind of, she kind of missed the opportunity to really understand why I was presenting the way I was. And she missed the opportunity to ask questions, you know, questions that could have helped her understand me at the moment. Sure. Like looking at your med list, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, it tells a lot of that person. Sometimes, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when um, people, you know, maybe present to the ED or, or to a primary doctor that just, seem like in your words off you were off you were manic you had you know um and then to be accused or assume right that you were on drugs and so insisted on a drug test and you did what I said no (laughs) you said no yeah (laughs) so um so the provider when you when you're first diagnosed um with your mental illness um and your primary provider sent sent you off to a psychiatrist, you establish care with her and you've seen, you still see her? Yeah. I've been with the same practice since the age of 29, 30. So I still your psychiatry care. Yeah. Yeah. For my psychiatry care, not for my doctor cares, (laughs) but I do see a new psychiatrist within the practice because the other one retired and this one is great. She is totally integrated with my physical doctor. She is not located in the same building or the same system, but she's integrated because she asks me questions. She talks to me. She doesn't ask, she didn't ask or push me to do anything. She just talks. Gotcha. So again, and I think 
when we think or we talk of integrated care, you know, integrated care um, can be uh, psychiatrists is located in your the same building as your primary provider, and they communicate and you know uh, talk via the um, EHR, you know, sending notes, um, actually talk in person, you know, you know, provider to provider. Um, some other integrated models are just um, collaborations, so um, making those connections with um, therapists and psychiatrists in the community, and and you know, really following through if you were to see your primary provider and you're, you know, struggling with depression, you know, there's been such a uptake in depression and anxiety um, as a result of COVID and all that that brought us. Um, but again, another integrated model is um, care coordination and collaboration, which somebody within your medical clinic, um, a care manager, uh, RN, um, can kind of walk you through that. Um, do the referral and then really follow the person after the referral is out into the community. And, and um, so where you come from, again, two providers, two different systems, but it still feels very integrated for you. And yes. that's, and that's simply because they talk to each other, right? Yeah. Um, an example is I recently broke out with the terrible itching mm -hmm. and it wasn't hives or a rash. It was just itching terribly to the point that I was bruising my arms and legs. So I sent both of my providers up via the patient portal a picture of what was going on. From this, my psychiatrist ordered some tests with my physical doctor. My medical provider prescribed some medication, but asked that I first talk to my psychiatrist to know, to make sure it was okay to be taking these meds and to know that everyone was on the same page. Yeah. They consulted with each other. Yeah. Something prior, years prior, you tried to really get to happen, but wasn't happening. So Correct. yeah, just knowing that both providers are on the same page must be, you know, reassuring. And, and I'm sure in the work you do, you see that disconnection and you know, again, I think that's why peer support specialists are so vital, no matter what the system, you know, medical, behavioral health, mental health, um, but really advocating um, and supporting, you know, patients for appointments, helping them understand what to expect, what questions to ask, um, and then really recapping appointments. You know, did you hear this is what I heard? Do you agree? Do you understand? Because again, I just think, um, so often when patients go see a provider, you know, there is a lot thrown at them and they want to, you know, you want to be the best patient. You want to listen, you want to follow directions or prescriptions, um, but it, it can be overwhelming. So again, I just, I applaud you um, as a peer support specialist and all you do and what you bring. Um, and, I, and I'm sure even to providers, you know, having a strong advocate to help maybe in the moment, you know, uh, talk to medical providers, even behavioral health providers about, um, you know, best approaches, um, assuring them if, you know, um, they have any questions or concerns uh, that you're there to answer them, right? Yeah, I can, when listening to both the doctor, medical provider and the psychiatrist provider and anybody else who works with individuals, Another aspect is as a peer support, I can basically say, I've been there, yeah. I've done this. If you help 
the person understand you. If you listen to what they're saying, then there is hope that you can become what you want to become in life. Yeah. You don't have to be a diagnosis. You become a person with a diagnosis. So what, um, as we talked about, you know, the different, what integrated care looks like, and it looks different, you know, um, and, it, and it can be different. I think the most important thing is the sharing of information, the being on the same page, um, the ability to keep, you know, the patient in the center of all of it, right? What do you think, like, for you? So you've never really received care in an integrated setting where your psychiatrist is there, therapist, primary care, all under the same building. So we know integration can work, you know, but because I had to make that team work because yeah, with, with experience and time yep. and working with the people, even though I did get annoyed with them and not see them for a years, the but I, I, ha- I have the team that does it now. Yeah, I have a medical provider. I have a psychiatrist. I have a counselor mm-hmm. and they all work together. Yep. And so I think that, when you have open communication, it takes the burden off someone that they don't have to be the best person who's saying, well, you need to say this. And so they go, that doctor, well, they said this, well, they said this. And it just, you take the middleman out. And so that's the best type of care to have is to have that integrated care where everyone's working together and talking together to make the best life possible. Yeah. And and in your work professionally, for the many years you've been in this profession of um, helping and, and, and providing these services, have you seen a shift in integrated care? I mean, do you feel that in compared to when you were first diagnosed to where we are today, has, you know, is integration grown? Is it, is it, is it, um, yeah. Progressing. I mean, I think it's progressing. Yeah. I think the doctors are more open to taking people on their team. I think the psychiatrists are willing to talk to the doctors mm-hmm. and everybody gets, like I said, on the same page for the person yeah. and the person is listened to by everybody. And it's not one person saying, well, this is best for you. This is right for you. Yeah. Is the team talking and the person being shared in the decision making yep. Yep. as to what will work for them? Yep. And I, I truly believe. I mean, shared decision making, you know, no matter what the care you're receiving is is absolutely vital. I mean, not only does it really engage um, individuals into their own recovery and their treatment, and you know, it's like. Uh, you should lose weight. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me to lose weight, but well, you know, it's, it's that engagement and really hear, hearing the, you know, the person in the middle, their voice, what are some of their struggles and challenges of losing weight? You know, it's, it's just, um, again, I, 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 I appreciate your perspective of just how vital it is to, you know, commu- how providers communicate. In the- well, on your point about losing weight, if you have the different spectrums of providers, you know, maybe the doctor, the psychiatrist or the counselor could say, well, the doctor's saying lose weight for these health benefits, but I hear it's hard for you to lose weight. So let's come up with some strategies that can help you gain that ability to lose weight 
so that your doctor can help you physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's another piece that oftentimes, you know, other providers in the field forget so many of the antidepressants and antipsychotic medications, um, you know, weight gain is a side effect. You know, I, I know oh, there's, yeah. there's been a lot of improvement in our, in our medications, right. And evolution of those to kind of, uh, alleviate some of those side effects, but they're still there, you know, um, diabetes, you know, a lot of psychotropic meds exacerbate the, you know, diabetes and, you know, it's, it's hard enough. And I know you can speak to this, you know, being diagnosed with a, um, severe mental illness. And with that comes, you know, all the side effects of having your medications. And on top of that, you know, trying to be the middleman, making people, you know, providers connect to each other. I mean, it's it's exhausting. You also might not have insight. You might not have the ability to say, well, gee, I'm taking this medication. It's going to, you know, cause me to gain weight. And then when you're speaking to your doctor and they're saying you need to lose weight, you might not have the ability to say, um, well, it's my medication because you might not be aware. But if everybody's talking on the same page, a psychiatrist can say, well, she's on this medication. The doctor can say, oh, yeah, well, what can we do to help? Well, again, I, I think an overall message, I mean, what would your overall message be to all providers when it comes to integrated care? Um, to be open to each other's professions. Yeah. To help people feel comfortable asking questions, yep. help the doctors feel comfortable by asking about mental health and addressing it at the moment. You know, and I think that's, you know, kind of part of the challenge. Our our primary providers specifically are so, they do so much. And, and, you know, I think again, with the uptake of um, depression and anxiety um, over the last few years, it's, you know, I think another big thing that we need to do as a country is what can we do to better support primary care providers? Because we know, you know, the first person that touched you when you were first diagnosed was a primary care provider. They often see the symptoms and um, are, you know, are the first professionals to see it. And so what are we doing to support them, to provide them the tools, the resources, the staff, the education? And, you know, and I know there's been a lot of initiatives, you know, federal, um, that, you know, to really focus on that. What are we doing to support our primary care providers to provide them the tools and resources um, and community supports to um, support them in the work? Because, you know, they truly just want to give the best care to their patient. And um, sometimes, especially in rural areas, um, access to mental health um, care providers, clinicians, and resources are very limited. So again, I think it's it's been a, a really big focus in our region um, is, you know, uh, providing some of those resources and supports. And, you know, I think additional team members to primary care is vital to do this work, you know, you know, to refer somebody to see a psychiatrist, but then also um, following up. Did you go? How'd it go? What can I help you with? You know, it's just, again, having their voice heard, right? And vice versa for the psychiatrist to say, well, you went to the doctor about this. How did that go? I mean, it's really is a team approach for everyone to be on the same page. And when you're asking about what can we do to help this succeed, Mm -hmm. um, really keep pushing insurance companies to understand integrated care because 
for integrated care, there is a need for more person contact. Yes. And so helping the insurance companies understand the need, I think would benefit. Absolutely. Very good point. And yes. Yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much for sharing. And I admire the work that you do. I appreciate the work you do. And, you know, you bring so much value to not only those that you um, support and serve, but providers that you come in contact um, with along the way. Yeah, I kind of feel it's not necessarily my duty, but my obligation since I have kind of worn the badge and succeeded. And I love to be able to help others succeed too. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me that compliment. Yes. Oh, yep. And I think another message here is just how vital peer support is to every level of care, not just behavioral and mental health, but, you know, being embedded and integrated in medical settings as well to be that added support, um, whether it's in the lobby, waiting room, you know, supporting people as they wait. I mean, that sometimes for folks is very overwhelming and intimidating and it's hard to manage by yourself when you're sitting in a waiting room and hurry up and wait, you know, those are, those are things I just know some of the tasks that, you know, you, um, when you supervise your peer support specialist, those are some of the expectations and, and things you really focus on is how can we best support the individual where they're at, right. And encourage them to, to not lose the, the hope and the faith of recovery, which sometimes is easy to do when you have, you know, the systems are, not joined and, and disconnected in the ways that they are. It's it's very tasking. So I think if anything, um, peer support specialists also highlight that to providers about the importance and how much um, support and encouragement on the front end really saves money and costs in the long end because um, people are healthy and happier and they're staying out of hospitals, they're staying out of EDs um, because of that work. So. Yes, that's a whole nother podcast on <laughs> why peer support should be expanded to the medical field. Yes. Yep. Hey, <laughs> maybe we can do that in podcast. Very good point. And I too think um, very important. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned. Every month, we are releasing a new episode where we are having conversations with healthcare stakeholders and community members on how to make healthcare work. If you would like to suggest topics for our podcast, please reach us at solutions at healthteamworks.org. To learn more about Health Teamworks, please visit healthteamworks.org and follow us on social media. Health Teamworks Chat, conversations on how to make healthcare work, is a production of Health Teamworks. For more episodes, please visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.